This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) I have no inner conflict within me. So my intuition and my vision are clear and aligned with cosmic truth. There is no veil of illusion over what I can see. My perspective is much broader because I do not share the beliefs of limitation that humans hold because they continually think of themselves as separate from the divine, the source of all possibilities. I know that they are divine themselves, yet they have forgotten that. Valeria Tullis interviews Dr. Pia Orlean on her book, Exit Plan, and other short stories. Dr. Pia Orlean is an ambassador to the Pleiadian group Larkma. These interstellar beings have been working with Pia to assist humans heal from all that is out of balance in humanity. Dr. Pia is a former practicing psychologist, a respected intuitive, astrologer, and the author of the Nautilus Gold Award-winning book, Sacred Retreat, Using Natural Cycles to Recharge Your Life. She is a co-author with Cullen Baird-Smith of the Wisdom from the Stars series. They have written the COVR award-winning book, Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness. Conversations with Larkma, a Pleiadian view of the new reality. And Remembering Who We Are, Larkma's Guidance on Healing the Human Condition. Meet Dr. Pia at piaorlean.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Pia Orlean. In your own words, who is Dr. Pia Orlean? I am a person who has been working with light and seeking unconditional love my entire life. I gave up my psychology practice years ago to be able to work in a larger way through the written word and through speaking and presentations to help people explore a universe and a larger reality that we don't see in everyday third dimensional times. I love the way you say that too, the larger reality. appears to me that it's the only one that is true, the only one that's real, is that larger reality you speak of, PM. I think you're absolutely right. And then what comes to mind, um, it's uh, we are navigating this reality here called Earth World as a creation of individual realities. Like we have assumed a piece of well, not a piece of reality. We have created, if we can say, use that word, created our own sense of reality. And then that's what this is. Would that make sense to you? Yes, that makes sense to me. I think that we perceive the world however we 
hold our beliefs and our thoughts about what we've been trained and our perceptions increase and adjust and adapt as we open to larger possibilities. So perception has a lot to do with our individual reality and whatever we share collectively that we create together. Oh, I did want to ask you some questions about your book, topics in your book that interested me. But before that, talk to me in general about the inspiration to the intention, really, to write your latest book, Exit Plan and Other Stories. And why fiction, Pia? Fiction, the choice for fiction was to reach a different audience than my previous works because so many people are trying to escape the reality that they see around them every day because they're suffering so much. And I thought, all right, if people are trying to escape, then they need an exit plan. And the book came together as I gathered different teachings that other voices of the light have shared with me throughout the years and put them into story form as a way of helping people see a larger reality, helping them see how through changing our perceptions we can create an escape route, an exit plan, a way to do things differently. Each of these stories is built upon deep examination of the shadow and what is not working, and then a finding a way to move beyond the shadow to something that works better. I love this idea that we can use imagination to realize truth. And this is what came to me reading the stories in your book, that by using imagination, I was able to to come close to that which can be known in a way. I think we can sense being unconditional love. But the more I I go into it, these um, your work and so many people that I talk to about different realities, ultimate reality, the, uh, uh, let's say, what you call larger reality, is really the unknown. I mean, it comes to me that way. It's unknown because we're walking around with our eyes closed or blindfolded. Mm seeing only what we've been trained to see. I think unknown is every bit as real as what is known, and we're just awakening Mm -hmm. to find it. We're having to Mm -hmm. look at what we have co-created together as a species and what possibilities exist for us as we evolve into higher states of consciousness. That's beautifully said. So we have actually been walking around with this veil kind of blocking the view of the unknown, which is here now. That is so fascinating because a lot of times I, when I tap into it, which are, are moments throughout the day, I look at a tree and I have no idea what that is. I just look <laughs> at it. Wow, that's amazing. And even my own hand, my own body, like, what is this? With no idea at all, like just in awe of all this, this explosion of colors and sensations and it's incredible to me that we can even talk about it. <laughs> I well, guess. It's of awareness, that's for certain. In the exit plan story, you write, the more I learned about who I really was, the more I realized and accepted why this physical body of mine had so many problems. I wasn't supposed to be here. Talk to me about that specific phrase, I wasn't supposed to be here. The phrase indicates that we are more than our human 
perceptions of ourselves. So what the character in the story is saying is, oh, I'm larger than this physical experience. I came from somewhere else. Maybe it was an accident because the character is trying to figure out why it's there. So she sees it as an accident that maybe she's not supposed to be here at all. But that's just the initial stages of her beginning to see that she's larger than the humanness that she has experienced thus far. To come to this realization, just think about it, that one of us humans can come to understand that. Is that something that can really be understood by a person? Because we are so limited. We are creating this reality, this small, limited reality that's not real. But I hear from people every single day, I don't think I'm from here because they already don't feel feel like they fit in with the existing circumstances. They feel foreign in their own communities. And I hear this from people every single day. So the seed point of understanding is already within them. It's already growing and coming to the surface. So, of course, each person has enough light within them to help that seed, seed grow and to discover the larger reality that's just waiting on them to be able to see it. What drives some of us to realize the truth like you have, you and Colin? I think giving up fear is a key point. People become frightened when they sense that there's something they're not familiar with. So if it's not familiar, they retreat from whatever it is rather than exploring it because they're scared of it. And I think one of the first steps you can take that's really important to discover the truth is to surrender fear and trust in the universe. If you really can find trust in your heart that the universe has a plan that the universe, you're part of it, that you're not, you know, so off on an island all by yourself with nobody around you that's like you, that that's just an illusion. And having more trust that something else can be discovered, putting that fear aside helps you to step into the realization of there's more. Doesn't mean putting the fear aside, doesn't mean we don't fear anymore at all, or fear still rises naturally. Fear is is something that's been bred into us, into our species for a very long time. And I think getting rid of fear comes in stages. I don't think there's one decision that you can make of, oh, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I think it will come up over and over again in different circumstances and different ways. And every time it does, the way to get through it is to stare it in the face and say, I'm not afraid of you. What's the worst that could happen? And when you face whatever you think the worst could be, automatically more doors and windows open to the possibilities. I like trust better. I love that word you use, trusting life itself, the universe, more using any other words that we choose to use. This large reality that you speak of, trusting that that includes us. I mean, it almost seems to me like we're afraid of ourselves <laughs> because we are that. We are that large reality ourselves. Yes, and I'll Take courage to find this trust. The courage is part of it, too. It's a part of the package because it takes courage to face fear. It takes courage to find the trust that lives within your own heart. It's all put together in a way that gives us opportunities to explore who we really are. I have other passages here. There's another one that caught my attention. You say, I realized that the only difference in pleasure or Pain is our perception of that experience, of the experience. 
you write, I'm sorry. Um, now you say you write. So talk to me for a moment, Pia, about that, because I do understand what has been the message. Pleasure and pain is just a perception matter. How do we come to experience that when we are in excruciating pain? Let's say the body is dying um, from cancer. Well, I have to say that that particular passage in the book is from my own direct experience. A lot of the book is is purely fictional, but that particular passage that you've honed in so well <laughs> on the <laughs> my experience of my own death in 2012 and I died in the most excruciating pain you can possibly imagine I was sent home from the hospital two different times uh, with the doctors telling Cullen there's nothing we can do for her take her home to die and I did and I died and I came back but when I came back I had such a keen awareness that sensation governs our lives and we focus in this planet of duality we focus upon good or bad it hurts or it feels good and it's the focus upon it that makes the difference when you're in that kind of excruciating pain which I was if you surrender into the pain and you just let go and say yes it hurts but there's something on the other side, you're settling into trust. And that's when the realizations of something larger come. And that's when you really understand that there's more that you can focus on. If you only sit and focus on, oh, this hurts, this is unbearable, this hurts, you're increasing your discomfort. If you surrender into it and let it pass, it flows through you and you reach a place of unsurpassed bliss. In a way, you're saying that physical death or any kind of challenge or difficulties here, it's actually an invitation to merge back, to return to who we are. Yes, very well said. It is an invitation. But we resist the invitation because we're afraid of what will happen if we accept it. If we step into that place of surrender, we're afraid what that might mean. Is this something that we learn, it's that a, an understanding. Like, how did you come to that wisdom, Pia, in that moment of excruciating pain? How it, was that um, the awareness that could see the options available, or was something an understanding that you had previously, prior to that I moment? So it was more a, I can't do anything about this. So I might as well surrender into it. I certainly didn't see any options. I wasn't trying to die. I wanted to live. But I couldn't see any options to make the pain stop. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Nobody could do anything for me medically. Nobody could do anything for me energetically. So I just said, this is a passage. I have to go through it. I don't know what it's for and why. But all I can do is surrender. And it's through that surrender that I actually did die and have an experience that I could bring back into life with me days later and share with the world. So is is being open. If we are open, that sounds to me like unconditional love, just returning to it, because this is unconditional love. We are unconditional love, aren't we? Yes. When you start, you start opening to this is what I'm doing and this is my pathway, and you don't judge it. If you're not mm. judging it, it automatically opens you up to the love that's present in the process. That is such a paradox that in order to access 
the state of, I mean, liberation, really. What you speak of is liberation, surrender to the larger reality, to what is. Then it takes going through anything, anything, literally, without judgment, which means not judging ourselves, what we go through, or what life, what's happening here now, destruction and, and everything else in between. Um, just being calm and ah, that's fascinating that we can do that. But we are doing, right, Pierre, in a way. We are already doing that. Even if we are lost as we perceive um, the false idea of being a person that with this small, limited reality, even that, it's already included in that unconditional love. It's part of that. It can be separated, right? Well, most of us go into this discovery kicking and screaming and resisting mm. Because we don't want whatever the challenge is. We want the challenge to go away. But we don't realize the hidden within the challenge is the gem of wisdom, the gem of opening to bliss, to unconditional love, to positivity. So the key is to be open and to surrender. It seems like I have learned that too. Which, But sometimes I still struggle, though, uh, with difficulties. Um, It seems like the body still holds Um, a lot of the negative energies around me. Yeah, and it's quite uncomfortable. And for days, it's uncomfortable when I'm around situations. For some reason, it happens. So I'm wondering what to do in those moments. We just let it be to surrender to what's happening with the body. It's aching. It's not comfortable with something. Should we try to do something or just uh, relax and let it be, even if it takes days, weeks, years? The body is responding to the cosmic weather, the pollution on the planet, Mm. the toxicity on the planet, the geochemical engineering, things that the body is not intended to have to deal with. So the body is complaining for good purpose. So what we do is we stand up and say, no more to the polluters, no more to the 5G that's causing the problems, no more to everything that's out of alignment with nature. And at the same time, you have to be kind to the body. If you're tired, you rest. If you need to eat, you eat. If you need to take a nap in the middle of the day, you do that. But because the body is struggling from so many influences that are not necessarily our specific choice, but are happening to us collectively, we have to be kind to the body while standing up and trying to make a change in our world. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the not having choice. So the body goes through what it does without choosing to be in that situation. Well, some things are definitely choices, but not everything is a choice. I mean, if you choose to eat junk food or you know, chocolate every single day and don't eat fruits and vegetables and natural foods, you're making choices that will impact your body. But that doesn't mean that everything that impacts the body is from your choice. So we have to make conscious choices to the highest degree that we can and then do what we can to help the body adjust to things that are out of our power. Since we're talking about body, I know it's not the same kind of body per se. Talk to me for a moment about the rainbow body. The rainbow body is a term that our Pleiadian friends, Lortma, gave us 
oh, 15 years ago or so. I don't remember exactly when. But they explained to us that it is emerging of the physical form and the light body, which is our etheric form. Our physical forms are adapting and changing right now as we go through this process of evolution. They're becoming more crystalline, they're becoming lighter, and therefore we're having a little more difficulty in our environment because the body's shifting and changing, but the environment is is not changing for the better. So the process that we've been told that we're going through is emerging of this changed physical form with our light body into a form that grants us more freedom and less restrictions. There is another passage. Actually, we talked about a topic that is in the automated story in your book, the one of liberation, uh, where he understood that uh, he had been liberated. So he was responsible, speaking of responsibility, responsible for keeping his own thoughts and feelings away from anxiety, fear, judgment, or blame. The question I, I think I already asked you about what to do really when we are going through, this has been a struggle for all of us humans, I would say, that are not really aware of this larger reality that you speak of, that of who we, we are. So how do we, for people who are not there yet, Pia, how do they or how do we learn to manage or to understand our negative emotions or emotions in general? Well, first of all, emotions as I understand them, through what the Pleiadians have taught us, emotions are like signposts. They are signals that something is out of balance within yourself. It's never about the external circumstance. Emotions are always about something that needs to come back into harmony within you. So if you're feeling a particular negative emotion, which actually all emotions are negative, as opposed to our natural feeling states, which are bliss, joy, love, compassion. Those are natural feeling states. Those are not emotions. Emotions are always uncomfortable because they are signals that something's out of harmony. So the way to deal with that is to look at whatever you're feeling, and then say, what am I thinking? Because within that thought, there's a judgment of some kind. There's a judgment about yourself. There's a judgment about somebody else. There's a judgment about a situation. But it's a judgment. And the way to come back into harmony is to remove the judgment. And as you remove the judgment and say, well, this person has the right to think what they say or do what they say, it's not my job to control them. I may not like it but I can't control it. As you stop judging it and allow people the freedom to learn how to be responsible for themselves, you stop being so deeply unconscious yourself and you start waking up to realizing you don't need to be filled with negative emotions like fear and judgment and blame. You can just discern that something's different that you're walking a different path from somebody else, be glad that you're not in their shoes and you're on their path, and just let them go in peace. So refreshing to hear that. So feelings are unnatural, and they are usually connected to joy, to those uh, higher vibration thoughts. We came natural feeling states of bliss and joy and unconditional love. Mm. That's who we are. Mm. The more we are 
caught up in judgment, blame, fear, and separation, the more we shrink into this tiny little human form instead of accepting all of who we are, which is so much bigger. So I'm wondering, Pia, when it comes to emotions being this post sign of judgmental thoughts and ideas coming from a separated entity, that's not real, really. So would you say that being out of balance, because that's what it sounds like, just isn't it also part of life, just being out of balance, being judgmental here? Let's say we are walking on the street and then somebody just drives too fast and then hits, I don't know, let's say splits uh, mud on an old person on the side of the road. So the judgment will arise automatically. For me, it would. Like any act of unkindness. Deal with that, Valeria. (laughs) Yes. The difference between judgment and discernment. Mm. If you're discerning, you don't get emotional. You look at it and say, wow, that person really is unconscious. They don't know what they're doing. Let me go see if I can help the old lady Mm. who got splashed. Mm. If you're judging, you get angry, you yell and scream, and then all that angry energy, it's not going to help the old lady at all. And if anything, it's going to upset her even more. So the path of learning is to learn to discern something that's not not well done, but not to judge it because everybody makes mistakes and we have Mm. to recognize that it is through the mistakes that the learning occurs. It may not occur as quickly as we want it to, especially now at this time on the planet, but it does occur through mistakes. That's where the learning is possible. If people pay attention to the mistakes, the learning is there. If they don't pay attention, then they're just going to keep making mistakes over and over again until something gets their attention, and then they find the learning. Mm -hmm. But trying to discern instead of judge is the difference. Trying to understand within myself in that situation, how would I be able to discern? Because that comes first, it seems to me, like realizing that something's not kind, that act was not kind. Is that a practice? Because automatically emotions arise, the negative ones. It's like almost I can't control the body. You can't control it because the emotions are there to show you what you're thinking. Mm. The emotions come up to show you, uh oh, look, judging again. Mm. Yes, we are always going to come in and out of balance. But the trick to the evolution is to simply return to the heart, return to unconditional love, return to non-judgment and discern differences rather than judging, blaming, getting angry, all of that emotional stuff. Yes, we will be emotional first, but immediately take a breath in and say, what am I thinking? Mm. And then, okay, I need to change that. And then calm it down, come back into balance in your heart, and then you can make conscious choices for yourself going forward. Thank you, Pia. That is really helpful because now you're making me kind of think about grounding. I think that's what is uh, the word is. When you say take a deep breath, just um, when something arises, the emotion arises, I just, I have to ground myself and uh, go back to return to that to the natural state in that moment. Return to your heart, return to center over and over and over again. So it becomes a practice. That is a practice, right, Pia? Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds very much like a practice. 
which I need to uh, engage in <laughs> from what I see. I was having an experience. I don't know if it stopped because I have not put myself in that situation again, uh, not recently. But I was visiting some of my family members and every time I did, I would have a headache after, really strong headache that would last for hours. It would not really stop until I went to sleep and the next day would be okay. But then even after, have negative thoughts after next day. It has been happening. I'm wondering if this, it's what it is. I'm not conscious. I'm not, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why the body's acting. It's acting such a way. What would you say in this case, what is happening when we have these uh, strong body aches and we don't know where it's coming from? We're not I aware. You're not in resonance with the energy of the place or the people. And if you're not in resonance, you need to remove yourself from that situation. And if you don't remove yourself from the situation, the very first moment you feel uncomfortable, the body's going to respond with some kind of signal. It's all about energy. It's all about energy. And what happens is we think, we get into our heads and we think, oh, but I love these people, whoever they friends or family, and I should be with them and I to them. So we're we're creating a false sense of shoulds instead of listening to the signals where the body's going, this doesn't feel right to me. And what we have to do is be compassionate and say, I care about you, but I don't I have to go home now. Thank you for the suggestion because I have been fighting within, yeah, within the head space and in the yeah, giving justifications like it's a family member that, you know, uh, and then I always go back and I always have the same, the body has the same reaction. And then now I don't know what to do, really, because they're family members. <laughs> and then we, we meet automatically. Boundaries are really important, right? Being able to say no. I think it goes beyond boundaries. I think it's a whole change of paradigm, Valeria. The Canadians have taught us that the family that we are born into is our training ground. They come here to push buttons and do things to make us grow. And part of the growth oftentimes is walking away from the family or saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. That's part of the growth. But the true family is the spiritual family. The true family is those that you can sit with and be in complete resonance. The people that you meet that you've only just known, and the minute you meet them, you know you've known them forever. As far you know, in this reality, you've just met, but instantly your heart recognizes them, and you know you've known them forever. That's your spiritual family. That's the people that you stand and spend time with, not the blood family. The blood family is a training ground that teaches you what you need to know to evolve. And we have no duty to the blood family. We have duty to ourselves because we are here to evolve. We're not here to take care of other people. That's their responsibility. Yeah. So I'm going back to saying no to people in my family when they, you know, they schedule, they organized um, parties and gatherings. And then uh, if I say no, then it, it seems that they feel like I am trying to separate myself from them. Uh, Valeria, that's point you're not responsible for what they feel right they're responsible right. for what they feel and they can choose to feel hurt and like you're you're alienating yourself from them or they can choose to honor your choice and go oh well she must have a reason that's their responsibility and it's not your responsibility to take care of how they feel Pia, it makes so much sense to every level of me what do you say and at the same time there's this um 
resistance to not be in a space of separation where, but of course we have to choose. If we, have, if we can, why not? If I have the, the option of living, let's say, close to the beach or live, I don't know, close to a, a dumpster <laughs> with trash and all. So why not choose to be by the beach? <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense to me, but um, I don't want to exclude the dumpster, the trash. I don't want to kind of create this world that seemed to be perfect, but knowing that it's not, that I, I also had the choice to be in a different place that was not as pleasant as the one I am now. Well, Valeria, that's one of the things that I tried to weave through these stories. There's two of them, the angel in the trenches, where a person tries to make everything be okay that really isn't okay. Mm. She goes through the entire story trying to be okay, trying to show unconditional love, trying to be all right, and it just doesn't work Mm. because it's not listening to what she needs to do. And then the story about the fairy is another story where people get involved in their emotions instead of listening to their hearts. They start judging one another instead of listening to what their hearts do. And through the judgments, that's where the separation comes. It's not by the physical choice of, I'm going to go to this gathering or I'm not going to go to this gathering. The separation comes from the judgment that occurs when you interact with the people not through whether you choose to go or not go. Mm. It's about the differences you experience when you're interacting. That's that's more real separation. And you can't fake it. If you do, yeah. it'll be yeah. like what happened to the angel in the trenches story. Yeah, trying to live something that um, it doesn't feel real. It's not true to us. It never works. Never do. One of the stories in the book was Weaving Light, where it talks about the idea of being able to take these higher values and weave them into our lives in a way that we pull out the knots of all the things that are uncomfortable and painful and all the shadows. We pull the knots out of the cloth and we weave the light into to make something different. So the stories in this book are about exactly the things that you're talking about. How can I do this? How can I move through this situation? What do I do about how I'm feeling about the situation? That's what this book was written for, to give some concrete examples in a fictional form that people could relate to and find another way. There's another, yeah, the fairy, I do have here uh, some notes about that too. The Pleiadian Christ story caught my attention too, because you share the, um, the two principles we humans need to learn, understand, and embody to achieve the higher or the highest evolutionary state to become a cosmic citizen, which you talk in so many of your other books. So talk to me for a moment about those two principles, Pia. I'm not sure if I can pronounce it correctly. The first one, Ahisa, Ahisa. Ahimsa. It's a Sanskrit word. Ahimsa, and it means literally do no harm. If we could learn to live from a place of do no harm, the planet would be a different place. Because every time we say a mean word or use a snappy tone to somebody we love, we are doing harm. Every time we kill an animal and say, I need this for my food, we are doing harm to another living being. Every time we fight a war for country or religion or whatever, Mm -hmm. we are doing harm. This planet needs to learn the principle of do no harm at every level. 
And then we will do away with hunger, poverty, war, everything that's a problem. If we could just live through Ahimsa, do no harm, changing the way that we do everything to come from a place of discernment, compassion, and unconditional love, we'd have a whole different world. The second principle is in Lakesh, and that's a Mayan word that means I am another yourself. And that also has to do with non-judgment. It means when you look at another person, if you say something harsh or judgmental to them, you're also judging yourself. If you said something kind and loving to them, you're supporting yourself. So anything that you do to somebody else, you're doing to yourself as well. And if you want to evolve and you want to be the highest version you can be, then you have to treat everyone else as if they might want to evolve too. They might not know how. They not not might not be making very good choices, but you still treat them as, that could be me, so I have to be kind and compassionate. When you say that, yeah, doing harm to ourselves is doing to others. It's uh, because everything's connected. It's one, one reality, not two. When you talk about these principles, Pia, I think about this need to go beyond the person that we think we are, this false idea of this peace limited piece of reality that we own, that we embrace as our own, as a separate self, seems to me like this is the only way to really not even practice anymore because now practice is no longer needed in a sense when we break free from separation and merge with this larger reality. That's true. But as long as we live here in duality, we will continue to need to practice. We have to keep coming back to center because We are pulled with dynamic tension in order to grow. So therefore, we will keep being pulled out of our nice, calm, peaceful place into a place that challenges us to make a higher decision, to make another responsible choice, to grow, to do something different. So therefore, we're going to continually, it won't be a constant. Earth is not about constancy. Mm. Earth is coming back to center over and over and over again and facing each challenge with new sets of tools. Every time you learn how to make it through one challenge, you get another one, another opportunity. What are you saying? What comes to me uh, from what you're saying is that this reality, the earth reality, is meant to be the way it is. Those imbalances and duality, basically. We cannot live non-duality here. Well, we can't live without duality, but the Pleiadians tell us that we don't use duality properly, and we never have. Mm, It's tended to be used to offer a different perspective so that we get a broader view and we can grow from the position of having a broader view. We don't do that. We choose to line up and take sides and cast stones at people that don't agree with us. That's a misuse of duality. If we could just look at the other perspectives and say, well, that's a different way to see things, and then put all perspectives together, we'd have such a deeper and broader view that we'd make wiser choices. That would be the proper use of duality. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Learning how to navigate duality in a much more peaceful, with harmony, really. That's bringing the non-duality to duality. That sounds wonderful to me if we can do that. I mean, you have, <laughs> you are doing already, right, Pia? So it is possible. Well, we all continue, as long as we're in human form, to have challenges. And yeah. I'm not exempt from that. 
All of us do. Part of being human is to accept the challenges as just another experience mm-hmm. and take responsibility to work through the challenge the best way you can. So before we go, before we say goodbye today, would you like to add anything? Just that I trust that anybody who is interested in growth, spiritual values, making a better world, I trust that each person out there is taking responsibility to do what they can to make a difference. And never think that your light is too small to light up the darkness, because each one of us has a light that's very bright, and it only takes one candle to light up a dark room. I hope that my stories offer a way for people to find an exit plan from the pain, the suffering, the duality, the separation that we're experiencing, and open a door or a window to a larger reality that will enrich all areas of your life. Mm. And it does, yeah. Your work as a whole does exactly that. Your presence, your work, everything about it. It's this bright sign to us. It has been for me. So thank you again, Pia. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I have two websites. My website is just my name, Pia, P-I-A, Orlean, O-R-L-E-A-N-E, dot com. And Colin and I share a website together that reflects some of the sources for all of the wisdom that's in this book. And that is Larkma. L-A-A-R-K-M-A-A dot com. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. It's been delightful as always <laughs> sharing time and space with you. I love your presence. Bye for now, Pia. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Pia Orlean and her work, please visit piaorlean.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.